You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, Matthew chapter number 13, verse number 53. The Bible said, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished. And said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. Now, I didn't plan on that phrase being used this morning and then again tonight, but that's interesting, isn't it? They were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there. Doesn't say he didn't do many mighty works. He just didn't do very many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, he did do some things there, but he didn't do what he wanted to do. He surely didn't do what he could do. He'd done mighty works other places. That's his country. What do you think? Let me, get, let me get redneck on it. What do you reckon he wanted to do there? I'd say he wanted to do more there than anywhere. But he couldn't. Why? Because they wouldn't believe God. They wouldn't believe him for it. For a little while this evening, I want to preach on this thought. Jesus, maybe you can't do it over there. But would you do it here? There might not be another church in the world that cares, but I think we ought to. And we ought to want God to pour it out upon us right here. It's in my message. I'll hit it on in a minute. Other folks can have a choir that dies, but we ought not want it here. Other places can quit the bus ministry, but we ought not want that here. Other folks can have a crowd. You can shoot a shotgun through the building and not hit a soul on Sunday night. We don't want that here. We want it packed out. So, Jesus, maybe you can't do it across town. That's fine. We don't care about across town. We want you to do it right here. Let's pray. God, I pray for power. I pray you'd stir the heart of our church tonight. I pray you'd help us to increase our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I wonder if you ever get stirred up over the possibilities of what God could do in our city. Have you ever driven the streets and parked in the different neighborhoods? I've done that before. I've sat there in my car and thought, what could God do here? I mean, if we could just get one family from every street in Santa Clara, just one family, we couldn't contain the crowd in this building. I wonder if you're like me and get stirred up over the prospects of what God could do through our church to impact this area for Christ. I wonder, do you ever get a little bit dissatisfied with what we have or what we've seen and get hungry for God to do something in an even greater fashion for us today? Do you ever get stirred up for the blessings of God to be more than just hearsay or a praise report from some other man's ministry? We've seen God do great things, and I believe we're seeing God do things now. But I wonder, could God not do bigger things than we've ever seen before? Tonight, we don't serve a God that's limited. We don't serve a God that has a governor placed upon his ability. We don't serve a God that's exhausted. We don't serve a God who has a supply chain that is running low. The God we serve is the God of an endless horizon when it comes to what God could do in our generation. I think of the song, it is no secret what God can do and what he's done for others. 
he can do for you. And I don't know about you, but I am far from content to just read about how God worked in the past or listen to people talk about how God moved in their generation and not beg God to do the same things for us in this generation. I don't want Jesus to do it over there and I don't want Jesus to do it over there and I don't want Jesus to do it someplace else. But my heart is this, Jesus, do it for us right here. I just still believe God. I just still believe God can do what God has ever done. I don't believe God is scared of our culture. I don't believe God is scared of COVID. I don't believe God is scared of our country. I don't believe God is scared of the corruption. I don't believe God is scared about the compromise. Those things aren't even a blip on the radar for God when it comes to God's ability to move and work in our generation. Culture can't stop God. COVID can't stop God. The condition of America can't stop God. And I believe that if God ever built a church, he can build a church now. I believe if God ever saved sinners, he can save sinners now. I believe if God ever used a man or a woman to impact a generation, he could use an individual right now to impact our generation. I believe the God of the Red Sea is still God right now. I believe the God of Mount Carmel is still God right now. I believe the God of Joseph that brought him through Egypt is still God right now. I believe the God of Bethel is my God. I believe the God of the lion's den is my God. I believe the God that was in the beginning and created all that is is still the God that we serve right now. Now, wouldn't it be a shame, and maybe we can even say sinful, to be content with just making our way through life and never see God do what God wants to do in our city? Don't you figure God wants to do some mighty things in the Silicon Valley? Don't you think God still wants to do some mighty things at the North Valley Baptist Church? Now, I know maybe I'm out of place to say it, but in person, I'm not content to let North Valley Baptist Church be something that we have to talk about in the past tense. I'm not content to let the bus ministry be something I talk about in the past tense. I'm not content to have Sunday school be something we only talk about in the past tense. I don't want to live life reminiscing on how God used to move and God used to work. And I don't want to talk about what God is doing in some other place or for some other pastor or for some other people. I don't want to hear about how it was. I want to see how it can be if we just believe God. I'm jealous for us. Man, I'd like to pack this place out every service. I don't want to fall into that rut that most churches in America have where they're happy if they just have halfway full crowd on Sunday morning. Shame on that. I think we ought to be discontent with the crowd we have tonight, though it's a good crowd. But I don't think we ought to be satisfied with it. I think we ought to have a hunger for God to pack this place out three times on Sunday and again on Wednesday night. Amen. I'm not content. I'm not content just to go through the motions. God is still interested in church building. God is still interested in bus ministry. God is still interested in soul winning. God is still interested in Sunday school. God is still interested in putting broken lives together. He's still interested in healing those that have those hurts she's saying about. He's interested in restoring prodigals and saving lost souls and blessing Bible preaching. He wants a work to be done for his glory in this generation. And I don't want it done over there. I want God to do it right here. Man, God's still interested. I wonder, do you ever lose sleep at night? Because you're stirred up over what God wants to do. Do you ever get stirred up because you're thinking about what God can do? When's the last time you had a dream or a desire or a hunger for God to work? Not someplace else, but I'm talking about work right here. It's convicting to me to think this. There are Christian people that will gather in a place like this on Sunday. 
They'll sit there in some dusty, dry, dead church. They'll file into their normal pew they sit in every week. They'll robotically sing a hymn or two. They'll toss an old faded folded dollar bill in an offering plate. They'll smile during the special music, halfway sleep through a less than special sermon, and then somehow tell people, I went to church today. Can I say, God is not within a hundred miles of what they just experienced, and somehow they're fine with that. They're content just to mark church off of their weekly checklist and then get back to life as usual. They're okay as long as they get to sit in a pew. They're okay as long as they can sing a couple hymns. They're okay as long as they hear a minister give a sermon. If the altar is dusty, the baptistry is dry, the track rack is filled with yellow invitations, the crowd has one foot in the grave and the service has the other foot in the grave and somehow they say, we had church today. I want to go on record tonight and say, I am not okay with living that way. I didn't get saved to go to a dead church. I didn't get saved to have a funeral for Jesus. I didn't get saved to watch the ministry die. I want to see God do mighty works in my generation. They say, well, it's the last days. Why don't you just be honest and say it's lazy days. It's lukewarm days. Jesus said greater works than these you're going to do. I don't want to just kick in the shallows. I don't want to just wait there in the kiddie pool. I want to dive deep in with God. If you're comfortable with that dead crowd, then stay away from me. I don't want to get around you and you don't want to get around me. What you have might be contagious and I'm not looking to catch it. So mask up and move on, amen, right there, and stay away from me. I want to see God do something for his glory. I want to see God do something so big that the world has to acknowledge that God did that. I want the world to watch us and declare, man, God is working at that place. I want them to hear the choir and say, God's at work. I want them to see the Sunday school and say, God's at work. I want them to watch those buses roll across town and say, man, God's at work. I want them to see the crowds in this building and say, God's at work. And I just believe God is pleased when a church decides to buck the trend and every Every other church might decide to roll over and play dead, but I think God would be pleased if one church said, we're going to live for the glory of God. Every other ministry might die out. That's fine, but I think God would be pleased if someone, someplace would say, as for me in our church, we're going to believe God and ask him to do something great for us in our city. God, give us some parents that will believe God. God, give us some Sunday school teachers that'll believe God. God, give us some church members that'll believe God. God, give us some young people, some middle-aged people, some senior saints that'll just believe God. Jesus might not do it over there, but we ought to want him to do it right here. Now, it seems strange to say this, but maybe God can't do what God wants to do. That sounds strange because we sing songs like he can do anything, right? Anything but fail. When you think of how big and powerful God is, how could it ever be said of him he can't do something? But in our text, we find that testimony. The Gospels are filled with record of God working. It's God performing miracles. It's story after story of Jesus showing us what Jesus can do. But in this text, there's a place and a group of people mentioned where Jesus could not do, or maybe we could say he would not do what he wanted to do. Now think about it. The God who can do all things was barred or hindered from doing what he wanted to do in that city for those people because of their unbelief. He did great things other places, but the things he wanted to do for them, he did not do because they would not believe God. In Matthew 13, 
13, the entire chapter is filled with parables. There's a number of parables throughout the chapter. All of the parables pertain to the future kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. You got to study those sometimes and get a grasp of their application so you can understand Bible prophecy. But here at the end of the chapter, we find this story. Christ has been on a preaching tour around the area. He's coming now into Galilee and to the city of Nazareth. The streets of this town are the streets he walked as a child. The hills of this village are the ones he climbed as a young man. This is the place where Jesus' family had made their home. The Bible said this was his country. The Bible says that when Jesus arrives there, he enters into their synagogue. Now this is the crowd that would be very astute in Old Testament knowledge. These men that taught in the synagogue did not recite the word of God reading it off the page. They would memorize the word of God. These were teachers of teachers in the synagogue. Jesus goes to church. Wouldn't that be a blessing if Jesus came to church? He shows up in their synagogue and begins to teach them. Now, wouldn't it be something to hear Jesus teach? I mean, every word perfect, every thought perfect, his dictation right on point, and Jesus teaches them that day. The Bible tells us that the men who heard Christ teach are astonished. They can't believe it. Now, the, the problem is this. They're not astonished at the depth. They're not astonished at the delivery. They're astonished at the one who is doing the teaching. They were very familiar with Jesus. He'd grown up there. They'd watched his life, if you will. And they begin to respond to his teaching by asking some rhetorical questions about Christ. Very condescending. They heard him teach and one says, that man can't be that smart. Who does he think he is? Where does to get that wisdom from. Another chimed in and said, that's Joseph's little boy. I can remember when he used to run around in the carpenter shop. A third man joined in and said, that's just Jesus. His mom is named Mary. His brothers and sisters hang around here from time to time. That's just Jesus. That's just a man. He's just the son of a carpenter. His mama's got skeletons in the closet. His brethren aren't all that special. He's never even gone to school. He's no priest. He's no scribe. And they just say, that's just Jesus. I wish I could go to the synagogue that day and say, fellas, you don't know what you're about to miss out on. I wish I could tell you that's more than just Jesus. That's not just the carpenter's son. That's not just another man from Nazareth. That is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's got big plans to perform in your place, but you're going to miss it. You're not going to get to see it. I'd like to tell him, hey, listen, that's that fellow. He healed sick people over there. He opened blinded eyes over there. The deaf are hearing over there. That palsied man got saved over there. That manic of Gadara had his demons cast out over there. Funerals were changed into resurrection ground over there. And what he did over there, he wants to do for you right here. But listen, you're going to miss it because you won't believe. You can see at your place what they saw over in Nain. You can see at your place what they saw in Bethsaida. You can see at your place what they had in Gadara. You can see at your place what they got in Capernaum. But here's the testimony of Nazareth. He did not many mighty works there. Why? Because they wouldn't believe him for it. Their response to Jesus visiting their church was to say, you know what? I don't believe he can do it. I wonder whose daughter could have been healed there if they'd have believed God for it. I wonder what crippled man could have been made whole there if they'd have believed God for it. I wonder what leper could have been cleansed there 
had they believed God for it. I wonder how many souls could have been saved there if they could have believed God for it. I wonder if they could have seen the wind stilled there, like other places, had they just believed God for it. There is no telling tonight what they missed out on because of their unbelief. Now listen, unbelief is the single thing that can bar us from seeing the unfiltered fullness of God. There is no li limit to God. There is no boundary to his ability. There is no horizon on what God can do. But whenever man does not have faith in God, if we have a lack of faith, if we have unbelief in our heart, we can shorten, if you will, what God wants to do for us in our generation. Now that kind of encourages me and convicts me at the same time. It encourages me because I have no limit of what I can see God do for us. It doesn't matter how hard. It doesn't matter the culture. It doesn't matter the climate. God can do a work like he always has done for us right now. But it convicts me to think that we don't see God do it and it must be because I can't believe God for it like I ought to. The Bible says in Mark 9 23, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. So that's a sad record on the city of Nazareth that Jesus couldn't do for them what he'd done for others because they wouldn't believe God. I bet they were having a time in Nain. Man, don't you think they were having a time? You see what happened over there? If you'd read your Bible, you'd know. You'd be ahead of me. I was mentioning it this morning. There's a funeral going on. They're dragging this corpse through the streets in Nain and there's a dead man laying on this beer, B-I-E-R, and Jesus comes to town and on that cot is that corpse and Jesus shows up at that funeral and that dead man all of a sudden comes back to life. I don't think they sat there dead in a hammer. I'd say they probably went, whoa, hallelujah. Do you see what God did? I'd say they had revival in name. I'd say they had a pretty good time over there in Gadara. There's a man over there, he was possessed. Demons all over him, legion, many of them, made his home over there in the tombs, wrapped in chains. No man could hold him down. He was naked. I mean, there he was, just a wild man. But then Jesus set foot on the shore there by those tombs, and all of a sudden, that crazy man was a converted man. His life was changed. Don't you believe? They probably had a time over there. I understand some of that crowd got sideways about it, but I bet there's some that they had a time when that maniac got healed and the demons were cast out. I think Capernaum probably in enjoyed it that day when those four men in that bus ministry took their friend to the roof of the house. He couldn't get there on his own, so somebody had to go pick him up and bring him. Amen. So they brought him to Jesus and couldn't get through the door because of the press. CNN was there, couldn't get in. No, it's the crowd of people. They're nowhere near Jesus. Amen, right there, the press. But anyway, they couldn't get in. So what they do? They climbed up on the roof. They made a hole in the roof, lowered that fellow in, and Jesus saw the faith of the bus workers and saved the boy, saved the man for the faith of the bus workers. Amen. That might not help you because you're not in the bus ministry, but I like it. Say amen right there. I bet you they had a time when that palsied man got up and started doing a country line dance out the door of Peter's house. I mean, can you imagine that? They changed his life. They didn't see that stuff in Nazareth. They didn't see any demons cast out in Nazareth. 
They didn't see the lame healed in Nazareth, but they could have. And here's the message tonight. Someone is going to have to believe God for our generation. There is enough pessimism. There's enough pouting. There's enough negativity. There's enough chief rain cloud going on in our generation that I don't want to fan that flame from this place. And I'm glad that we don't. One church in this country has to believe that God can still do something for the sake of this generation. I still believe God's on his throne. I don't believe God is t dead or tired or worried. I don't believe God is handicapped or limited. I believe God could do something for us. I wonder what could God do in our church? How many people could get saved in this place? How many pews could we pack out? How many buses could we fill to capacity? How many Sunday school classes could we grow and add and split and grow more? Hey, how much revival could we see in this place if someone would just believe God for it? If we're not going to believe God for it, we got to fold up the thing and go to the house. I believe God. I'll say it again. I'm jealous for God to do it here. I've got a burden for America, but I've got a bigger burden for us. I want God to send revival. And I guess it's good if he sends it anywhere, but maybe I'm a little bit carnal. I'd just rather him send it here. I don't want to hear about church growth in Nain. I want to hear about it in Santa Clara. I don't want to hear about bus ministries in Bethsaida. I want to hear about it in Santa Clara. I don't want to hear about a great service in Capernaum. I want to hear about it in Santa Clara. And if no other place wants God, I think we ought to want God here. Maybe that word spread. Nazareth didn't have faith. And all these other cities started popping up, sending ambassadors to Jesus saying, hey, listen, you can do it for us over here. You can do it for us over here. You come and do a work over here. And can I say, that's how we ought to be today. We ought to be hungering for God to do something for us here. We ought to beg Jesus to let us see some mighty things right here. We ought to want God to move in Santa Clara. We ought to want God to move in San Jose. We ought to want God to stir up Sunnyvale. We ought to want God to move in Milpitas. We ought to want God to shake up Mountain View. We ought to want God to do something in the Silicon Valley. But if that's going to happen, someone has to believe God. God. Very simple message. You got to believe God. I bet the lepers were glad they believed God. I bet the woman at the well was glad she believed God. I bet you that man with the withered hand that was healed is glad he believed God. I bet you Mary and Martha were glad, though they were worried. I'm glad they believed God. Moses believed God and Red Sea opened. Elijah believed God and a rain cloud appeared on the horizon after it hadn't rained. Peter believed God and stepped out on the sea. George Mueller believed God for provision and money came in for his orphanage. Jonathan Edwards believed God and God sent a great awakening. There's plenty of giants, but there's a shortage of Davids. There's plenty of Pharaohs, but there's a shortage of Moseses. There's plenty of Ahabs and Jezebels. Oh, I'm not going to say it. I want to make a political reference, but I'm not going to say anything about Kamala Harris or anybody else being a Jezebel. <clears throat> I'm not going to say that she's a Jezebel. Uh, there's plenty of Ahabs and Jezebels or Nancy Pelosi, but there's no Elijahs. There's plenty of Jordans to cross and Jerichos to conquer, but there's no Joshuas. There's plenty of upper rooms and there's plenty of crowds, but there's no Peters. There's plenty of potential, but where are the people who believe God for it? Can Christ not do here what he did for George Mueller in Bristol? Can Christ not do here what he did for J. Frank Norris in Fort Worth, Texas? Can Christ not do here what he did for Brother Bobby in Walkertown? Can Christ not do here what he did for Lee Robertson in Chattanooga? Can Christ not do here what he did there in Burma? Can Christ not do here what he did for Spurgeon in London? Can Christ not do for us what he did for Moody in Chicago? 
Can Christ not do for us what he did with, uh, with, uh, with uh, John Wesley and others who went to the Indians? Your Bible is not a Dr. Seuss book. It's not a fictional tale. If it was Dr. Seuss, it'd be banned already. Say amen right there. It's not a Dr. Seuss book. It's not a fairy tale. It's not fictitious. This is fact. This is truth. And the God that you read about in this book is alive and well tonight. And I say shame on us. And it's well nigh sinful if we don't expect God to do great things for us. You say, well, I just don't think he can. Well, stay away. I don't want that. That could be contagious. That's going to kill a place like this. We don't want that around here. We want people who can believe God for it. I like a Caleb. He was 80 years old. You know what I think? I think I'll take a mountain for God. That's what I think I'll do. I want somebody like that with faith in God. Would you just believe God tonight that we might see some mighty things done right here? Think about you. I hear Brother Everson saying amen. Think about the college. We better believe God for that. It'd be real easy to roll over and play dead. It'd be easy, Brother Luke, to play dead with your bus ministry. It'd be easy for you to be the most pessimistic pouting fella here, Brother Flo, wherever you are, because of the way it's running. Other of you, Evan, others on Saturday, and I know it's hard, right? Because the workers aren't there. And the momentum is just difficult. People are everywhere. But somebody's got to believe that God could do on Saturday what he used to do on Sunday. You can complain about it. We all do. But wouldn't it be if we just believe God? Luke, you could, you could, uh, we could still have, we, we could still have the America's bus ministry here, I think. Uh, I think we could do it. Amen. But it's going to take people getting involved in the work of the ministry. I still think the Bible college, I think we could get it up there as high as you want it. We, we, we don't want it too many because we don't want everybody's losers and punks that we have to kick out. Say amen right there. <laughs> you send them down south if you want to, but we don't want them up here. <clears throat> uh, but we want the servants of God, but we could grow that thing. God could, if we'd believe God for it. Amen. I believe those dormitories, they, they're going to be close anyway, but could be filled with young men and young ladies. Amen right there. If you believe God for it. I believe it. I believe we could see this place where we had to have two morning services to fit crowds. We'll have an 8.30 or 8 o'clock service for people who get up that early. And then the rest of us will come at normal times. Amen right there. Pastor and Brother Bertram will preach to each other, and then, we'll, and, then, and then we'll all come in at normal people time. And I just believe God could do that. I was talking to him, a pastor before church. When we got married, we moved to Charlotte, and I worked at a church in Charlotte. It was a great church. Man, it was a big church. It had an 80-acre campus. Jack Hudson was the pastor, Northside Baptist Church. It's okay to say it. My grandpa started to preach at that church in a sort of Lord conference a long time ago. And we moved down there, and I, we started working there. And I remember that place was, on the, was going down because they compromised. Compromise kills. Old-time religion doesn't kill. Old-time religion builds, and then compromise comes in and destroys what old-time religion built. Compromise never built anything. They overtake whatever old-time religion has built. Save in right there. The school began to compromise and change their music and then change their Bible. So the church went downhill, and I got there right on that, right when it was happening. Walk around that huge building, 80-acre campus, big auditorium. It was bigger than this on the floor level because it didn't have a balcony. So it was all one floor just fanned out real big. And I'd go in there and practice, pretend like I was preaching back before God even called me to preach. Just go in there and act like I was preaching. I remember walking the catwalk around that building and saw a big, it looked like an oil painting, probably like four feet, five feet of Lee Robertson just laying up there. Used to hang on the walls there. Church builder, man of God. But they changed their philosophy. They got content just to roll over, go with the trend. That's fine over there. Man, I don't want that over here. Man, I want God to do something. I, I look at the old pictures of what God has done here. 
I get a little bit, a little bit mad almost. I missed it. I should have moved earlier. Missed it. But that's not the case. God wants to do it still. He wants to do it for your kids and mine. Amen. He wants to do it for our families right now. But someone's going to have to believe God for it. I'll read this to you. A preacher from the past said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only things we can do by ourselves. Three statements. Jesus can do mighty works. Man, he can do mighty works. He can save souls. He can do whatever he wants. He can do mighty works. Number two, unbelief can keep Jesus from doing mighty works. Number three, he's going to do mighty works somewhere. So we have to make the decision. Are we going to believe God for it here? Because if we'll believe God for it here, he'll do it here. But if we don't have faith or we won't believe God, he'll go somewhere. He'll do it in Afghanistan. If he wants to, he'll do it in China. He'll do it in Mexico, Philippines, somewhere else. I don't want that. I hope he moves over there, but I want him to do his mighty works right here. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.